Diastasis or diastasis recti, no matter how you slice it, is a very hot topic in not only women's health, but in the fitness industry as well. And I really wanted to preface this episode by saying there's no shame in looking at your stomach and being like, shit, I really wish that I had a flat stomach again or this really sucks that I look like this. There's no shame in you thinking that. However, you might want to be focusing your attention elsewhere rather than on the appearance of what your abdominals look like. Diastasis in and of itself is not always a cause for concern. And we're going to jump into that today. And what are better things that you should probably be paying attention to rather than the appearance of your stomach? Um, So again, like if surgery is something that you've considered or you might be considering, I'm not going to shame you for that. I just want to think about, I just want you to think about this, um, this condition when it applies to you in another way other than like what it looks like. Okay. Because I feel like so much of our worth is placed on how we aesthetically appear, which is not okay in my eyes anyway. And it's really not okay when it comes to our health and wellness because I feel like a lot of um a lot of people kind of prey on that as a way to tap into your shame and tap into your um what's the word I'm looking for? into your insecurities. And that's not okay. Like your body is literally recovering from some kind of trauma whether you've just had a baby which as is an amazing, remarkable thing or something else happened over time that your body just wasn't able to withstand and something like a diastasis happened because diastasis can happen in people who have not been pregnant and we're going to talk about that today. So today I really want you to to challenge you into thinking differently about your diastasis and how to go about thinking about it, rehabbing it, treating it, looking at it, treating it, and a better way to treat yourself because you are worth more than what your stomach looks like. We're getting into all of that and more in today's episode of Finally Fearless. Welcome to Finally Fearless, a podcast devoted to getting your damn life back. My name is Dr. Melissa Chofi, a physical therapist who is absolutely sick and tired of seeing women like you fall victim to bullshit products, bullshit advice and being made to feel like you have to accept a bullshit life here we will uncover the good the bad and the ugly in regard to the health and wellness realm and have some fun along the way i'm so excited that you've taken the first step in getting your damn life back let's get into the episode Before we jump into anything diastasis, we are going to have a quick little anatomy review because I think a lot of us are very confused about what the core is. So um, let's review people. So get your visualization caps on, if you will. (laughs) And let's talk about the abdominals. So the first major player in your abdominals is what's called the rectus abdominis. This is a set of muscles, meaning that you have a right and a left side. 
And these are your six pack muscles. And yes, don't even come at me like, Dr. Mel, I don't have a six pack. We all have six packs, okay? Whether you could see them or not, whether they're, they're defined or not, we all have it. So um, that's your rectus abdominis. You also have your obliques, which are basically like your side abs. So think about when you do side planks and rotational stuff, this is your, your obliques are working here. Under those are what's called your transverse abdominis. Now, this is your deep core. This works in conjunction with your diaphragm, your pelvic floor, and your very deep lower back muscles to make up the entire deep core. So this is why when I say core, I'm not always talking about abdominals specifically. And I think a lot of people get lost here because we're so hell-bent on working on things like our rectus abdominis or six-pack. We never learn how to connect to or how to even engage sometimes things like our multifidi, which live in our lower back, our transverse abdominis, which again is part of your deep abdominals and your pelvic floor and even your diaphragm. So how are we skipping those deep players by just attacking the rectus. And this is where a lot of ab workouts and core workouts go wrong because it's not this, um, what, what's the word I want to use? Again, I'm at a loss for words, par for the course around here. But it's not this well-rounded workout plan. It's like bits and pieces of things that, are they important? Probably. But it's not getting the full picture. And this is where a lot of us get lost. So I really want to drive that point home before we start talking about what a diastasis is and what it means for you and um, really how to go about handling having a diastasis. Now that I got that out of the way, let's talk about what a diastasis actually is. So your rectus abdominis, aka your six-pack muscles, these are what are probably the most affected aesthetic-wise, meaning when, if you if you do have a diastasis, what you're looking at is the actual separation of that set of muscles, okay? So between the actual muscle tissue, you have what's called a linea alba, which is basically a big, broad, thick band of connective tissue that helps hold your abdominals together. And with the diastasis, because your uterus has been stretched and therefore your abdomen to accommodate your growing baby, the linea alba gets thin and it becomes stretched out. So your abdominals look like they actually separated. Nothing, uh, one of the biggest fallacies I hear um, in my practice is that a lot of people think that their abs are kind of like floating in space and there's this huge injury and oh my God, they're not connected to my body anymore. They're not connected to each other anymore. And this is not the case. You're con- It's definitely still connected to you. They're not floating around <laughs> anywhere because otherwise you wouldn't be able to sit up or sit upright or any of that. So don't worry about that. They might not be the strongest right now, and that linea alba connective tissue is not the strongest. So it's probably thinned out. It's probably like, basically like that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. And this is really, really common in postpartum people. About two-thirds of pregnant people have experienced it. 
Um, and where you're, where you lie, like age wise and activity wise might increase your incidence of possible rectus or diastasis recti. Oh boy, that's a tongue twister. So some of the factors, if you're over 35, it's probably because your muscles aren't the strongest or the tightest, especially if you haven't been really training them, um, completely, you know what I mean? Or holding your breath, like compensations play. We all know what happens as we get older. It's not that, well, our tissues aren't the most resilient as we get older, but also if we fall into these compensatory patterns and we're not using muscles and structures the way that they should be used or the most efficiently, then things kind of fall by the wayside and your core and your deep core being a few of those pieces. So um, that's why I think that the older you are, the more the likelihood increases of something like this happening because your body is just not, it's just not being used efficiently and it's learned a ton of compensation. So um, that's my two cents on that. Another thing that can increase the incidence is if you have multiple or heavy births, meaning like twins or triplets, you have really heavy, heavy babies and having kids close in age. I'm guessing it's again because of the, um, the fact that those muscles literally act as help supporting the the growing uterus and everything so if they're not the most conditioned again or there's a lot of load happening on them they might not be the best of accommodating that load because again remember injury happens when load exceeds capacity diastasis is not necessarily an injury per se but it is a change to your body that might happen because the load placed on your body, your body's just not ready for it in the best way yet. So um, again, not always a bad thing, not always a reason for concern. Sometimes it's just something that happens. Sometimes like while the, these incidences, like you can't fix some of them, like being a certain age, I don't want you to be like, oh my God, I'm 35 and I want to get pregnant and this is going to happen. I don't want you to think that way because A, it doesn't necessarily always happen to everyone, but B, if it does happen, it's not a life sentence in all cases. And sometimes if it does happen and it doesn't aesthetically look the same, it doesn't mean that things like leaking are going to always happen or core weakness is always going to happen or you're going to be like dysfunctional for lack of a better word. You're not going to be able to live your life. You're not going to be able to do the workouts you love to do. You're not going to be able to do the things you love to do with your family activity wise. That doesn't mean that that's going to happen just because you have a diastasis and even just because you have a diastasis that hasn't healed. And we're going to really jump into that later, but I want to drive that point home multiple times because having a diastasis in and of itself, most of the time, well, I shouldn't say most of the time, a lot of the time is more of an aesthetic thing than a functional thing, okay? And we have been so pressured as a society to be like, I have to get my prepartum body back or my pre-pregnancy body back six weeks after I've had a child. Like I can't accept this stomach that's flabby or this stomach that's pooching. When you just gave life to a human, you literally 
housed and birthed a human over the past year of your life. That's a lot of stuff for your body to recover from. And I like I've driven this point home before and I'm going to do it again. This is not something that you just bounce back from six weeks and like, oh, that was so easy. Huh? I could do that all day, every day. That's what we're being told to think is supposed to happen. And that doesn't happen. Your body changed to accommodate that baby. Your body changed to get that baby out. Your body's still undergoing healing. Your body's still undergoing changing, especially if you're breastfeeding. Your body's still repairing itself. So like our society and like, again, I'm just a small fish in a very large ocean, but our society really needs to stop putting all this fucking waste of time, bullshit shame on people who have just had kids and like forcing them to do something as trivial as looking better in a way that's aesthetically pleasing to society. That's just, it's so fucked up. Like you gave life to someone But that's not good enough. So now you have to go and look better for somebody else's comfort. Fuck that shit. It it just pisses me off. It's so annoying. So, um, yeah, like that's the, that's the least important thing about you. It's the least important thing you could do for your body right now. We have bigger fish to fry. Getting a flat tummy. If you ever see like these diastasis programs, which I know you've looked at and I see them and clients send them to me all the time and it still drives me insane, but they're, they're out there, right? These programs claiming that you're going to have a flat tummy the way you were like 20 years ago and it just, that's not going to happen. Um, it's not, it's like, it's insane to me and it's, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of energy. So if you have suffered something like a diastasis and you um, you do find that gap, so you've probably also seen the YouTube videos where you can assess your gap. So basically you're looking at, you're putting your set of fingers together in that gap and you're assessing how wide it is, how deep it is, and how long it is. And I'm not going to explain how to do that here because it's kind of difficult over a podcast and I'm sure you're all familiar with it. And if not, if you just Google diastasis self-assessment, there's a billion videos on it. So um, if you do find that something that you're suffering from, it's not always something that is warranted for surgery, okay? Sometimes it corrects on its own, sometimes it doesn't. But even if it doesn't correct on its own, your muscles can get stronger to give support to your body again. You can gain strength here again and you can gain stability here again without surgery because again, surgery might fix what it looks like, but it's not fixing what's happening underneath if there is something happening underneath. And when I say that, I mean deep core strength, stability, endurance, flexibility. So your, for example, your transverse abdominis, how is that performing? You can absolutely condition that despite having a diastasis. You can absolutely condition that um, despite what your stomach looks like. And this can be done like regardless of whether you've had surgery or not, this still needs to be addressed. So even if you've had a surgery to fix your diastasis, um, 
you could still have core weakness going on in there. And you could definitely still have compensations going on in there. So just because you fix what it looks like doesn't necessarily mean you fix an underlying problem if there is one. Because again, sometimes a diastasis is just an aesthetic thing. And it's not something that is war- like warrants a concern. If there is an issue... Sometimes diastasis, because of the core weakness, because of the deep core compromise, the deep core weakness that could potentially result from a diastasis, what you want to be looking out for are things like leaking. So if you're leaking pee, if you feel like you have to rush to the bathroom or else you're going to pee your pants, stuff like that. Actual core weakness is another one. So a lot of people will come to me and they'll be like, I really want to get my core strong again. And I'll say, what does that look like for you? Why do you think your core needs strengthening? And usually it's an aesthetic reason. This doesn't mean that like just because you have a little extra pooching or whatever, it doesn't always mean that your core is weak. There could be something else going on. Like you could have, um, what's it called? You don't really know how to regulate the pressure in your abdomen, aka breathe correctly while you're doing things like heavy lifts and all that. You could have a strong as fuck core. You just don't know how to coordinate with other real world things like working out, like exercise, like lifting your toddler, like running. You know what I mean? So we really need to address whether there's an actual core weakness. Can you get out of bed easily? Or are you struggling to sit up? You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Um, and then if, even if you're just having difficulty moving, like transferring loads, like picking up, picking up stuff around the house, again, picking up your toddler, getting on and off the ground, going up and down stairs. If you're holding your breath with doing literally everything, like there's potential core weakness there and getting in and out of certain positions. All of these are way more concerning than what the actual aesthetics of the diastasis are. Does that make sense? So if you are not having issues like these or any issues and you feel great, like you're not you're not compensating in any way and your belly just looks a little bit off, it might just be an aesthetic thing. But again, if you're really not sure, asking someone like a pelvic floor physical therapist is definitely a good idea. Like I feel like all postpartum people should see one in all honesty. And that's not to just blow smoke up my own ass. But I really think that it's really like, it's kind of like a wellness slash maintenance check to make sure that we're on the appropriate path for recovery after going through something as difficult and as laboring no pun intended as childbirth you know what I mean because again we've been giving these brand new bodies we don't really know how to use them they've changed so much over the past year so getting back in touch with them and really assessing what is going to be good for us is going to be key because what's good for me isn't necessarily good for Sally which isn't necessarily good for Nicole and the whole shebang um, aesthetic speaking, aesthetically speaking, I know it's frustrating, but your diastasis might take 12 to 18 months to totally heal if it does. And when I say heal, I mean like close. So you don't really see the gap. And when you redo the self-assessment with the finger test, 
there's not um your gap has significantly closed that could take a while 12 to 18 months so like if you're sitting there like I really need to do something about this I really want surgery blah blah blah, and it's like eight months down the line I really want you to stop and think about waiting at least a year after you've had your child because your tissues just you haven't given it enough time you haven't given enough grace I'm sure you don't connect with that body with that part of your body as much anymore because you are like there is so much shame centered around what it looks like now and this is another piece and I spoke about this in the c-section video and like as I'm speaking out loud I really want to draw attention to it in this in this podcast episode because like just like with a c-section a lot of us who have undergone C-section or abdominal surgery or even in something like a diastasis, we just don't want to look at that part of our body. We don't want to touch it. We just dissociate from it. We mentally check out. And what happens there is that we subconsciously disconnect ourselves from that part of our body. So there's no more of this mapping that goes between our brain and our actual abdominals our actual core our superficial core our deep core and everything in between it becomes kind of like a foreign entity like I don't own that anymore that's not me that's not what I was a year ago that's not me and really getting okay with connecting with that part of your body again being able to touch it being able to look at it and really associate that with being a part of you I feel is one of the best things you can do for your self-care, for your body, even for like your physical wellness and fitness. And if that's something that's difficult to overcome, there are mental health professionals that do help a lot of people postpartum get over this. And that's never a bad idea to consult somebody just to talk it out and just to get like a better roadmap of how you can kind of like structure your recovery. Because not only what you've gone through was a lot of physical exertion it's a lot of mental and emotional exertion as well and we're so focused and hell-bent on healing the physical piece that we never address the mental and emotional pieces um, in addition to that which is very unfortunate because it's super super important so that's I would really like for you to think about this in a different way other than what's being shoved down your throat on Instagram or Pinterest or in your mom's groups or whatever because it goes way deeper than I want a flat belly way deeper than that people will be like oh do I need an abdominal binder or they'll be some of their providers will be quick to tape so like there's a method that you can use something like the tapes that physios use to help give your body that sense of stability if you actually need it. So myself as a physical therapist specializing in pelvic floor stuff, I see a lot of postpartum people and I I think I might have recommended an abdominal binder. Like I could probably count on my hand, one hand, how many times I have only because A, a lot of times your core may not and again like this is going to require an assessment from a professional but a lot of times your core is not so weak or your deep core is not so weak that you need this binder to do its job 
And what happens is a lot of people will then rely on that binder or rely on that tape to give your body that input to do a job that it's supposed to be doing independently. We want to get away from these things because they're kind of like a crutch. It doesn't, at the end of the day, when you take that off, your body isn't necessarily doing the work that it should be doing. And this is where a lot of people fall by the wayside because are you really going to want to wear tape or an abdominal binder for the rest of your life? We need to get these muscle groups going independently without assistance because who the hell wants to walk around in a binder all day or tape all over themselves? So um, that's really important too. And I think binders and those quick fixes have been pushed a lot and um, I don't think people are necessarily doing um how do I want to say this I don't think they're like being predatory in that I think they're actually they are trying to help they just don't know any better so for some people at a, a binder or taping might be sufficient or might be helpful but for a lot of people your core might not need that support and you could probably do it on your own with the help of a coach or someone to guide you through appropriate exercises and appropriate movements. If this is something you're going through and you're like, I don't even know where to start seeing if I have deficits or what the hell is going on. I actually did a YouTube video on this a few months ago. So this is what it's covering what I think are the three most basic core principles. So you can go feel free to watch that and I'll kind of give a synopsis here of what that looks like. But if you do want to watch that video, I'm going to put that in the show notes below. So make sure you check that out. So the first thing you're going to do is notice your breath. And it sounds so stupid, but this is something that's so common. I'd say it happens It so far in my career, and I've been doing this for a few years. This happens in every single patient that I've had, client that I've had who has a, an actual corn weakness. So they hold their breath. They have a lot of breath coming from their chest. They're not really filling their abdomen up with air. And this is partly why I say like reconnecting with that part of your body, whether you've had a vaginal delivery or whether you've had a cesarean section is so important because your breath literally gives you life and gives life to your body. So you want to make sure that you are filling your belly up with air. It is going through your rib cage and expanding your ribs, not just sitting up in your chest because this means that you're not getting really an adequate breath flow or air flow through your entire body and we're healing our entire body after childbirth right so reestablishing that breath getting acquainted with it is really important you also want to make sure that you're inhaling and exhaling when you're doing stuff like lifting your child or lifting the laundry basket or lifting a dumbbell lifting a barbell anything like that never hold your breath ideally they say like you inhale uh well you exhale upon the work you're doing and then inhale when you're returning to a starting position so for example if you're doing a bicep curl you would inhale before you start the curl as you curl you exhale and then you inhale as you lower the weight back down this is textbook everybody's different i kind of coach it like this and if people aren't getting it And they get it the opposite way. Like as long as there's nothing else compensatory going on, I really don't care as long as you're breathing and you're not holding your breath. But sometimes the exhale upon exertion helps because 
it does get that deep core engaged without generally without you having to think about it. You might have to think about it initially and kind of get your brain used to that. But at the end of the day, your brain and your nervous system are going to learn that. They're going to learn to recruit your deep abdominals. So eventually this becomes kind of like second nature over time. Another thing you want to pay attention to are good bowel habits. So no straining and pushing for dear life while you're trying to take a poo. What you're going to do is A, check your toilet positioning. So make sure you can have a squatty potty or yoga blocks or books or something to elevate your feet so that your knees are kind of above your hips. Or if you don't have that, you can just lean forward. Um, This puts your pelvic floor in a nice relaxed state. Make sure your feet are flat on the floor or on something. If they're dangling, it could potentially cause some tension in the pelvic floor, which doesn't make for a very comfortable or easy poop. So um, make sure you do that. And then what you're going to do is you're going to inhale, relax the pelvic floor, get that breath down into your belly. And on the exhale, you're going to push, but you're not going to strain for dear life. I don't want to see veins popping. I don't want your faces turning purple. It's just a very gentle strain. But this helps regulate pressure. You're not overcompensating. It reduces the risk for prolapse, which is something if you have that could potentially happen if you have like a pelvic floor issue or an actual deep core weakness or something. So we're nipping all that in the bud early. So those are some things that you can actually work on right away. Um, Another thing that you can do is avoid exercises that cause this pooching or doming effect. Meaning like, have you ever done a leg lift? So like you lift both legs in the air. What is this called? A hollow out, I think it's called. And your belly looks like it distended with like three babies inside. That is nest. That is usually indicative of an exercise that you're not ready for yet that your core is not conditioned to perform yet this is why things like planks and um what else planks come to mind immediately like people say like oh well if you have a diastasis you shouldn't do a plank because it's bad for you it's gonna make it worse and this is all client dependent person dependent So you might not be ready for a plank now because you are experiencing some doming or pooching, but there are ways to modify that plank. There are ways to build up to that plank so that you can do it without potentially causing compensation somewhere else. So it's never bad. Like I always say exercises are never bad. There's just bad coaching and execution behind them. We want to avoid compensations as much as we can um you trying to do things like there's this very well it was popular last year but there was a popular diastasis off the shelf diastasis program that I was looking at some of these moves in like week two and I'm just like what the hell these are so advanced and people like they put themselves so the way this program was structured was like week one you do these week two you do these and it just assumed it a assumed your starting point it b assumed your progression so the woman I was working with who had tried this program she was getting so hard on herself because at the end of week one she's like I don't know I like I just suck my core just sucks I can't do these moves in week two I can't get through them they're too hard and I'm looking at this and I'm like um you shouldn't even be doing stuff for week one. Like, it's just insane. So you get wrapped up in this whole like, 
shooting all over yourself, meaning that you think you should be at a certain strength or a certain exercise or a certain fitness level by a certain time when that's just not realistic. It's not the same for everyone. Everyone's healing is not the same. Your starting point is way different than my starting point because your fitness background pre-pregnancy is way different than my fitness background was pre-pregnancy for me. So it's just, it's very nuanced and people don't give that enough credit and they don't give themselves enough credit in that regard. So another thing, like you're, you're trying to get back to Pilates, you're trying to get back to mat class and you haven't really built the foundation yet so you're compensating all over the place and you're like oh I don't see any change in my abs and then if I do assess you I'm like well yeah because you're using hip flexors to get you to where you want to be during your Pilates mat class and again like I don't expect you to be able to recognize this this is what my job is to do but do recognize if you are doing things like holding your breath and you are seeing some pooching or doming in your abdomen while you're trying to execute things and give yourself a little more grace. Like there's no timeline that everybody has to be on. And the more you pay attention to what you need and giving yourself what you need fitness wise, instead of trying to push yourself through a timeline that doesn't really exist in anywhere other than Fitzbo garbage culture or in your brain, it's just going to do you a disservice in the end. So um, that's really my, my takeaway from that whole idea. All of this foundational stuff too can definitely be done pre-pregnancy, during pregnancy, and postpartum. Like there's never, I mean, in a perfect world, we would have this knowledge pre-pregnancy, but obviously our healthcare system sucks. So it's also never too late to learn how to do this and to condition your body if you miss that pre-pregnancy window but at the end of the day a diastasis in and of itself is not cause for alarm it doesn't mean that you need a surgery it doesn't mean that you automatically have core weakness or you're gonna start leaking or you're gonna have pelvic issues down the road but we do have to look at what your stability looks like your strength looks like even your mobility your flexibility because if there are limiting movements or you are performing a ton of compensation this could potentially lead to compensation elsewhere. And this is where things like pelvic floor problems and prolapse and um, pelvic pain and all of that could possibly come into play. Um, And then at the the end, once you get good at the basics, then throwing in coordination with these basics to really test your body and your brain and your nervous system and your movements, that's the key. Because how are you using your core when we throw other body parts into the mix, like your legs and your arms, because again, like we are multidimensional people. We live multidimensional lives and we're never just sitting there like, oh, let me do my, my core exercises sitting here. Because then what happens when you get up to go lift a heavy pot out of the oven or put your kid in the crib or pick your kid up from the crib or put them in the car seat or, you know what I mean? So like, We really need to challenge the core with different movement patterns in different planes, in different ways, and doing different things. So um, that's my tidbit there. So um, just to let you know, this is one of the things we do cover in Finally Floored. The doors are actually closed now, but um, we do cover deep core stuff. So Finally Floored, in case you missed it and you don't know, 
It's my 12-week program, which literally builds you from the inside out, from the very basics out. So we start with pelvic floor, the core, mobility, and really build into a comprehensive program at the end of the 12 weeks, incorporating things like bands and weights and more difficult movements so that you can feel confident in your body's capabilities and actually be like stop being afraid of your body and learn to love what it's able to do outside of what it's already done, which is has been remarkable in and of itself to get you to this point. But um, so yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. So I have a few awesome women in there right now. And I just love programming for this for this program. It's so it's so much fun. But like I said, doors are not opening again until I'm thinking um, in September will be the next cohort. So if you do want to get on the wait list, I'll drop the link in the show notes for that as well. But um, this will put you on the list to get a little bit more information about the program when it drops and ensure you have first dibs on signups because it is a very, like I like to limit the class size just so I give everybody the attention that they need. But um, signing up for the wait list does not obligate you to join but um, it does ensure that you get the most up-to-date information about the program itself. So you could sign up for that. And that's all I got for you. I hope you got a lot out of this episode. I hope you feel a little bit better with some more takeaways about um, whether you have diastasis, whether you're afraid of having a diastasis postpartum. And I hope that it sheds some light on this instead of making you feel bad about your body because we get enough of that we don't need any more of that in our lives especially right now so um let me know if this resonated with you let me know if you learned something and we will see you on the next episode of finally fearless